Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Oh, fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. We are in the sixth installment of a series called I Am. Somebody say, I Am. I love this. These are the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And, uh, man, what a great journey this has been for us. Don't miss next Sunday, next weekend, Easter weekend, where we finish this series and talk about where Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And that'll be crossing the finish line of this series. But today I want to talk to you about Jesus being the good shepherd. Somebody say, good shepherd. Now, I was just doing a little studying about the role of the shepherd. You know, a shepherd is one of the oldest occupations known to man, being a shepherd. But I've never heard a kid say, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a shepherd. How many of you don't know a whole lot about shepherding? I don't. How many like shepherd's pie? How many have a German shepherd? Yeah. How many have ever played the role of a shepherd in a Christmas play against your will? Yeah, that's about my knowledge of, of, of shepherding. Uh, the primary responsibility of a shepherd is basically the safety and the welfare of the flock. You know, I thought about, you know, in ancient days and even in modern days, there's still the role of being a shepherd is still prevalent across the U.S. and in many places around the world. But it's probably one of those jobs that you don't hear a lot about until you mess up. How many knows what I'm talking about? If the primary role of a shepherd is the, the safety and welfare of the flock, you probably have a lot of boring, ordinary, everyday moments. You don't hear a lot of, hey, great job today. You were crushing it out on that sheep field. <laughs> but if you lose a sheep, how many know you're probably going to hear it from somebody? Yeah. And in Christ's day, shepherds were part of the, the lower echelon. They weren't the upper crust. If you were a shepherd in the days of Jesus, it was kind of the bottom rung of the Palestinian social order. Um, these shepherds were disrespected. They were kind of down on the, the bottom shelf of society. And I thought, wow, what a great lesson that Jesus, our Savior, would identify himself as a shepherd. You know what it tells me? That God has a heart for the lowly. That God, and I'm so thankful that the, the God of the universe would step into the lowest parts, the lowest realms of our society to identify with us. And I thought, man, I'm just a kid from the trailer parks. Come on, somebody. My dad was a teacher. My mom worked at Walmart. You know, I'm not a part of the who's who of the Christian zoo. But when Jesus became a shepherd, he stepped into a role that identified with those that nobody was looking for. Can I have a good amen? In John chapter 10, I want you to read this with me, starting in verse 11. We're going to roll through about six or seven verses in this chapter and see what it means when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. John 10, verse 11. The Bible says, the words of Jesus, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, but a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong 
to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. Verse 13, yes, the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Now, let me stop right here before we get into this diagnostics of the good shepherd. But immediately, as Jesus is speaking here to the religious leaders of the day, he identifies himself. I am the good shepherd. And then, in contrast, he makes mention of a hired hand. Do you see how he distinguishes between the two? Some people are cloaked in the robe of shepherd, but their heart is a hired hand. Really, there's a big difference between the good shepherd and a hired hand. Can I have a good amen? The hired hand is in it for himself, but a good shepherd is in it for the sheep. A hired hand sees it as a job to be paid for, but a good shepherd sees it as a calling that he's made for. Come on, are you with me? Doesn't just treat it as a job. It's a calling. A hired hand is all about self-preservation. It's all about putting himself first. But the good shepherd is about self-abandonment. It's about sacrificing himself for the sheep. A hired hand, when he sees a wolf, what does he do? He runs. But the good shepherd, when he sees a wolf, what does he do? He steps in front of that wolf. And in my mind, I can just see the picture that Jesus is painting. He says, I am the good shepherd. My interest is for the sheep. My heart is for the flock. And so if you're taking notes, I think in this passage, I want to show us three different pictures, aspects of what it means to be a good shepherd. Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. He's communicating something very important to us. The good shepherd is all about, number one, commitment. Everybody say commitment. And I think, why is it that in, in our day, in, t- in today's culture, why do we struggle with commitment? Have you ever noticed how we dance around commitment? People are, are reluctant to commit to anything. Sometimes we second guess the commitment of others. You know, maybe you're here today and somebody walked out on you. Maybe somebody gave up on you. Maybe somebody abandoned you. You were in a relationship you thought was committed, but the outcome was not how it started. Maybe you're here today and you have trust issues because you've seen the lack of commitment or the failure of it. Jesus says, I'm not the hired hand who runs. He said, I'm the good shepherd who will dig in there and even when it's tough, I'll stick with you. Jesus, his words over us, and I think this is gonna help some people today. It's gonna help us understand the love of our Father for us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How many know that that's good news? People will forget you. Friends will walk away from you. Relationships will fall apart. But please, don't measure the commitment of your father through your earthly relationships. Sometimes it's difficult for us to really embrace the commitment of Jesus because of our abandonment. We feel like, well, man, how could anybody be committed to me? Yet Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I love what Matthew 18 says, verse 12. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others? on the hills and go out to search for the one 
that's lost. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Do you see this in your good shepherd? Do you see Jesus is the shepherd that when one wanders off, what does he do? Let let me ask you this. What kind of shepherd would risk the safety of 99 to go after one? That's our shepherd. That's our shepherd. Guess what? Because there was a day when you and when I, we were that one. Let me ask you this. Parents, how many parents do we have in the house? How many of you have more than one child at home? How many of you marvel that, you know, you've got multiple children. They draw from the same gene pool. They're, they're, they're taught the same values. They share the same experiences, but they're totally different. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Very. I marvel at these kids, and I celebrate their characteristics, and I'm in awe of some of their other characteristics. But how many of you have ever, just briefly, even just for a moment, you, you've, you've lost one of your kids? Maybe it was at a ball game, or maybe it was in the grocery store, maybe you're at Disney. How many of you ever had a few moments of panic over losing a child? Well, some of you are afraid to raise your hands. We're not going to call child services on you. <laughs> hey, if Jesus' parents forgot him, come on, somebody. Can you, can you see that conversation that Mary and Joseph had? I thought it was with you. I thought it was with you. What? They lost the Messiah. <laughs> but if you, if just for two minutes, I mean, some of you have your own stories. You, you, where did they go? Where did they go? They run down a different aisle, and, man, you just have this panic come over you. Even if it's just for two minutes, how many of you know that two minutes feels like an eternity? <sighs> panic, prayer, you're calling people. And then when you see them again, it's this... Wonderful mixture. (laughs) I love you. Get over it. Don't you ever do that again. But, but, you know, if you have multiple children and you temporarily lose one of them, you know, you never, I never think, well, lost one, two out of three ain't bad. How many know if I leave the house with three kids but only return with two, mama's not going to be real happy about those percentages. Jesus said if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, now think about it, 99 out of a hundred, how many of you back in the day would have been very pleased to score 99 on a test? Yes, indeed. That would raise your GPA if you hit 99 out of a hundred. But yet think about the love of this shepherd named Jesus. He says 99 may work in the percentage of the world. But in heaven's economy, it's still not enough. Can I have a good amen? Somebody say commitment. That's what I call commitment. Jesus says the will of my father is not that even one of them will be lost. Don't we love this about our shepherd? He is so committed to us that even if we wander, even if we drift or stumble, he's saying, wait, stop everything. I'm going after you. I'm coming after you. When the world would write you off and say, well, percentages are still okay. We're satisfied. Jesus said, I'm not satisfied. That's commitment. 
I think about Zacchaeus, the, the, the story of Zacchaeus in, in, in Luke chapter 19. The Bible says he was a, a tax collector. He was hated by his Jewish friends working under the Roman government. The Bible says that Jesus came walking into his community, and Zacchaeus, he was a tiny guy, couldn't see over the crowd, so what did he do? He climbed a tree. How many remember singing that song in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a... Yes, Okay. So you're like, oh, this church is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so he climbs a tree. Jesus sees him, and what does he do? He calls him by name. Zacchaeus, coming to your house for lunch. Called him by name. You know the devil knows your name, but he will call you by your sin. You know Jesus knows your sin, but he will call you by your name. Crowd all around, and Jesus notices the one. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Don't we love this about our shepherd? He's committed. Sure, he loves the the crowd, but he's committed to the one. What about in Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood? She'd been bleeding. Some of you have been bleeding with issues for years. Pushed her way through the crowd. Jesus was on his way somewhere else, but she pushed her way through the crowd. She reached out and touched the very hem of his garment. I'm going to tell you this. She didn't just touch his hem. She touched his heart. He stopped and said, wait, wait, wait. Who's who's touching me? The disciples are like, who's touching you? Everybody. No, no, no. There was somebody. Come on, somebody. Some of you are here today and you feel like there's everybody. But Jesus said, no, no, there's somebody that needs me. I I love it how in spite of the crowds, Jesus always has an eye for the one. That's commitment. You know, here at Healing Place, one of our core values is we reach the world by serving one. We reach the world by serving just one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. So do for the one what you wish you could do for everyone. Does that make sense? This is huge. This is the power of the gospel. You know, for for Easter this year, our goal across all of our campuses is 22,000 people. That's what we're believing God for. How many believe we serve a big God? And so we're, we're believing across all of our campuses, international and domestic, that together we'll be able to impact over 22,000. But you know what? Our heart is to reach one. And I believe we can impact the world. If we serve one, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week, Rachel was in Walmart. Go figure. <laughs> that girl, she loves Walmart. And I told you when I die, I want her to bury me in the Walmart parking lot because she's going to see me every day. She was going through the checkout line and um, she noticed there was an elderly man behind her in that checkout line on a scooter. And so she's getting her, all of her groceries on that little that conveyor belt. You know, she looked back, saw this old guy, and the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, buy his groceries too. And she thought, well, wait a second. I, I, in her mind, she's having, some of you know what this is like, she's having this conversation debating whether or not it was God. <laughs> Can I tell you something? The devil will never. Somebody say Never. The devil is never going to tempt you to be generous. And sometimes we're like, Lord, give me a sign. I just need a sign. If it's really you. And then we'll see three angels and hear two trumpet blasts. 
and the bushes in our front yard will be on fire. And we'll be like, I just need a sign, God, just a sign. She was like, I don't know, is this, is this really? And then she remembered, even if she misses it, how many of you, would, if you're going to miss God, you'd rather err on the side of generosity? If I miss God, I want to miss him being generous. I don't want to miss him being stingy. Come on, somebody. And so she, she talks to the cashier and says, and secretly, she wanted to do it anonymously. I want to buy his, I'm going to pay for mine, I want to buy his too. So she starts this conversation with this old guy on the scooter. And, uh, you know, they begin talking about kids. And he says, you know, how uh, he never sees his kids. He bought his kids, you know, houses. And, and yet they, they never come to see him. The only time they come to see him is when they, they need rent money, you know. And so man, her heart was just so broken. And so, you know, she just reached out to him and, you know, just tried to encourage him. And then when it, it came time for him to come through the line, his groceries were paid for. And he looked at her and, man, he knew what had happened. And, and she said, you know what? Jesus told me to bless you today. Didn't want to just, she's not philanthropic, you know, not just doing good deeds for the sake of good deeds, but attaching it to the name of Jesus. Jesus told me to bless you today and just broke him down, you know, and he was like, well, well, I live off of Hushitu and we got orange trees and you bring your kids to my house anytime I'll give you some oranges. You know, it's just, it was something inside of him that just wanted to give back. How many know that's the way it works? When you've been blessed, you want to be a blessing. So she said, well, what, what are you doing for Easter? He's, she's like, well, my, my wife is bedridden and, you know, can't really get out of bed, but we're just going to go to the Piccadilly. She said, you know what? It'd be a good idea for you to come to church before you go to the Piccadilly. Let us feed your soul before you feed your belly. I'm telling you, that was a moment, that was a, an isolated moment, but how many of you know in the realm of the kingdom, that elderly man in the scooter, he matters to God. That is one sheep. Now, there may be 99 others, but that one matters to Jesus. And so if they matter to Jesus, guess what? They should matter to us. Can I have a good amen? Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm not the hired hand. I don't run when the thing gets tough and difficult, when the wolves attack. I'm here. I'm fully committed. Now, notice what he says in verse 14. Yes, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. You see that two-way street? Knowledge is not just one way. Jesus says, I know them. And they know me. That implies, number two, relationship. Everybody say relationship. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Yes, he is God. All the power and authority of the kingdom is his. But the Bible says because he's a good shepherd, he knows his sheep and they know him. Can I tell you, Jesus knows everything about you. That can be scary. Jesus knows all the, the external fluff, sometimes the life that we project on social media. He knows that. But how many knows he's aware of the internal stuff too? Jesus knows he knows my jealousy. He knows my selfishness. He knows my, my insecurities. Jesus, he knows that inside stuff that most people don't know but that I'm fully aware of. He knows things about you that nobody else knows about you. He says, because I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep. I, I, I know their tendencies. I know their strengths, but I also understand their weakness. He knows us. 
I remember years ago when I was a college pastor here, we were doing a thing called late night. We had hundreds of college students participating. And, you know, one, one particular, we did it every Wednesday night. Wednesday night at 8.30. I mean, those college kids like to stay up late. That's past my bedtime now. I can't do that. But when I was young and I had some energy, I was a college pastor, and, and one particular week I was gone. I had to go to India. I was a, a, a part of a, a crusade. In fact, I think Doug was there and some of our worship team. We did a crusade in a soccer stadium and packed it out, 30,000 people. And, man, we saw miracles, supernatural things. I mean, one guy got healed. His leg was crippled, and he, he, he could only walk with a cane. God healed him at that crusade. I still have his cane in my office as a testimony of the power of God to heal. So, interesting, I'm on the mission field at this crusade, so in my absence, I got one of my friends to preach our college service here. Well, I get home after being gone for about 10 days on this crusade, and I check in with my staff and my team. Hey, how was service? They said, Mike, this guy was amazing. I mean, three words, amazing. Incre- His jokes were so funny. Man, just personality and powerful word. I mean, the word came forth with such conviction. The altars were full. We've never seen more full altars. I mean, had so many people come to the altar that we had to take them off to a room to minister to. It was like Revival. How many know where I'm going with this? Why do you know where I'm going? Because your human nature is just like mine. I'm thinking, man, I wanted service to be good, but not that good. All of a sudden now, this jealousy started rising up inside of me. Come on, talk to me. This insecurity, I'm thinking, man, what if they like him more than they like me? They never say that about my jokes. My altar calls are never that big. I mean, there's not people falling out under the spirit in my ministry. And so I'm driving down the road, and all this is rolling around in my mind, and the spirit of God just. (laughs) How many has ever had God do that to you? He said, Mike, I got a question for you. This thing, this ministry that I called you to and that you're serving in, is it about you or is it about me? He said, if you're making this thing about you, you're going to have a hard time. But if you always make it about me, you'll be all right. Can I tell you, Jesus knows the sheep. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in mine. He knows what we're thinking. And so why would we feel like we're hiding anything from God? In the Garden of Eden, whenever God said, hey, Adam, where are you? How many know God was not confused? It wasn't like God's like, I can't find Adam and Eve. No, no, no. He asked Adam, where are you? So Adam could locate where he was. You see, the Bible says in John 10, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And guess what? They know me. You see, here's the privilege that you and I have and the responsibility that comes with being in that sheepfold. It's knowing the shepherd. He knows us. But our heart should be to know him. I love that Jesus knows the worst about us and still believes the best in us. He knows all the junk, all the mess, all of my issues and says, I'm committed. I'm committed to that. I'm not running. I'm committed and I'm going to help you because I know you. Now, you need to know me. You need to know who I am. You need to rest in my love for you. How many of you, you know someone so well? that you can have an entire conversation with them and not even say a word 
How many know people that well? Maybe you have a close friend. How many know your spouse so well? Oh, yeah, I was thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I remember my dad, my dad played the organ up on the platform, little, you know, small country church and played the organ. And so I remember there were times during church my dad would look at me and he could raise his eyebrow. How many can raise your eyebrow? Raise it at somebody right now. Turn to somebody and raise that eyebrow. I can't do it. My face doesn't work that way. But as a kid, I would look up to the stage and my dad would be playing that organ. He'd lift that eyebrow and that said one thing to me, boy, you're in trouble. How many of you, you could read your parents that well? Didn't even have to open his mouth. There was no conversation. I was guilty. He caught me misbehaving and that eyebrow said it all. Can I have a good Amen. <laughs> How many have been married so long that you can finish the sentence of your spouse? You can just fi- How many finish each other's sentences? Oh, yeah. Rachel and I have been married 22 years. 22 of the most beautiful years. <laughs> we can finish each other's sentences. Hey, babe, while you're up, get your own sandwich. <laughs> I'm just teasing. It's not like that. But I know her. I know her. I know my wife. She says, babe, we need to talk. What is she saying? Babe, you're in trouble. (laughs) When she says, oh, I'm not really that hungry, what's she saying? Whatever you order, I'm going to nibble off your plate. (laughs) When she says, no, you don't have to get me anything. (sighs) Fellas, do not fall for that. It's a trap. What is she saying? You better get me something. It better be thoughtful, better be special, and don't be cheap. When she says, oh, I'm fine. She's saying, I'm really upset. I'm not telling you, and it's up to you to figure out what you did. Come on. Sometimes she'll cut me those eyes during worship. We're going through worship, and she'll look at me. You know what she's saying? Quit talking to David Ray so much on the front row. Of course, it's not me. It's David that's getting me in trouble. Um, And I know Rachel. I know her. I know her well. Guess what? She knows me well, too. When I tell her, hey, babe, kids are gone. Nobody's home. It's just you and me. Come holla at your boy. (laughs) She knows what that means. Let's do a Bible study. (laughs) Come on, because I put the stud in Bible study. Come on, somebody. Hey. I say, baby, you have your Bibles open to a little Song of Solomon. That's so wrong. (laughs) She's not here right now. (laughs) Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. It implies relationship. Somebody say relationship. Aren't you glad that we can serve a God that we can know and be known? We can love and be loved. 
We can serve and be served. We can celebrate and be celebrated. Come on, there's no other God in the universe. This is the God of the Bible we're talking about. He offers personal relationship with us. He says in in John 10, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice. They come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I love this. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't, watch this, they won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they do not know his voice. Hear me, beloved. Don't follow strange voices. When you follow strange voices, you will make bad choices. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know them. They know me. They understand my voice through Bible study, through prayer, through commitment to a small group, through church attendance, through serving. We begin to discern the voice of the Lord. Some of you are here today, and you need to hear the voice of your shepherd because that voice, it brings peace to you. That voice brings direction. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Everybody say commitment. Everybody say relationship. Somebody say sacrifice. Look at what he says, verse 15. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Here's what we love about our shepherd. He's a shepherd that will lay his life down for us. He lays life down. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down. You see, today, we recognize today, this Sunday is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the streets were lined with people and they were waving palm branches. There was a certain understanding that the people had they, they were crowning him as king. When they said Hosanna, the, name, the word Hosanna literally means save us now. You know what they were wanting? That original Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, they were wanting a king. But you know what they got? They got a shepherd. They were wanting to crown him as king so then he would topple the Roman government and then give them the the position and power that they longed for. He didn't. On Palm Sunday, he didn't ride in as king. They wanted him to go to the palace and sit on a throne. You know where he went? He went to the temple because he understood the power of sacrifice. They wanted a king but got a shepherd. Before we can crown him as king, oh, hear me, church. Those of you that are watching at Denim, I want you to hear this. Before we can crown him as king, we've got to embrace him as shepherd. A shepherd that would lay his life down. Now, now make no mistake about it. He is our sovereign king. And that a king would lay down his life for his subjects. It says something about the value of the subjects. But it says more about the character of the king. And I love this about our shepherd. Sacrifice is what he embraced so that you and I could have heaven's best. 
that he became everything we were so that one day we could receive all that he is. He says, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. I have other sheep. What's he saying? There are those that are not yet here. There are those that aren't here yet. He's speaking and he's speaking to the Jewish people, but he's making a reference to the Gentiles. I'm going to open this thing up to the Gentiles. I have sheep that you know not of. They're not here yet, but because of what I'm about to do, because of my sacrifice, that will throw the door wide open, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. How many of you are thankful that that door of mercy swung wide open for you and me? Only a good shepherd. Only a good shepherd could open that gate. You see, the gate is exclusive, but the good shepherd is inclusive. And we, have, we serve that good shepherd. Our mission is not complete because there are other sheep that are not yet here. Can I, can, let, me, let me give this final statement, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray across all of our campuses. In just a moment, your campus pastor is going to come, and he's going to facilitate a prayer ministry time for you. But I, I, I want you to hear this. Uh, I think this is, this is just, this is so important because that gate keeps some things out. We talked about it last week, keeps other things in, but the shepherd opens the door for the gate. Can I tell you this? You were not just saved from something. You were saved for something. You know, if your only mission was to go to heaven, you would have died as soon as you said yes to Jesus. I mean, he would have just taken you home. But guess what? You're still here. And if you have Jesus in your heart, that tells me you're still here for a reason. There's an assignment. We're not just saved from something. God saved me from hell. No, no. We're saved for something. We're a church on a mission. And we've got a responsibility. This coming weekend, we'll do services across all of our campuses, and the door will be flung wide open because of this shepherd, the shepherd that's committed to us, the shepherd that wants a relationship with us, and the shepherd that is sacrificed for us. Amen? You receive that today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.